Good afternoon and welcome. This is Jim Kent with another Club Insights podcast. Delighted to be seated opposite Tanya de Yaga. Now, many people will remember Tanya from her time back on RTL TV and more recently as the owner of Dipso. Uh, but she's done some other things too. Tanya, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you doing? I am doing very well and I'm very happy to be sitting here with you. Thank you very much. Uh, very good to have you in these uh, esteemed offices of Maison Moderne. Um, now, You've got a quite a lot of media experience yourself, but let's talk back in the day. 20 years ago, what were you doing? 20 years ago, so we are, what, 2021? That's exactly 20 years ago that I started at RTL. Really? Mm-hmm. Doing the Planet RTL, I remember this youth program with music, clips and yeah, funny videos, stuff like that. I, I imagine a show like that could be a lot of fun. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Well, it always depended on whom you pr- were presenting it with because you always had another one sitting next to you. So, yeah, it could be very fun. It could be... Um, there were some moments as well there. For example, when we had a, um, a guy there who was... Um, um, his pets were tarantulas. So I had one on my hand in a live thing. So, yeah, it was funny. It was fun times. I'm sure it was. Um, but I thought cooking was your big thing. Absolutely, but that only happened like, uh, when was that, two or three years later. So first from the Planet RTL, I went to the weather, then to the magazine, and from the magazine to RTL Kitchen. RTL Kitchen. And was that the time when you were sort of uh, cooking food with celebrity chefs and that kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was celebrity chefs, it was uh, ministers, it was, um, yeah, Luxembourgish famous people. (laughs) So I always had a guest with me in the studio. So it was half interview and cooking and, um, yeah, it was nice. Brilliant. And uh, Were you passionate about food before that or did you discover your food passion whilst doing it? I, um, I was, I've always been interested in food. I've always been interested in healthy food. So, yes, I knew a lot about food. But the cooking, um, I think I mainly cooked Indian food because that was the most interesting for me then with all the spices and stuff. But, uh, yeah, the traditional one I wasn't that good in. For me, how to, to I don't know, to fry a steak was more difficult um, than to make some, some spicy curry. Uh, yeah. Now, Luxembourg has changed a lot over the last 20 years. Mm. I mean, the skyline, the government, the population, of those sort of things, what stands out in your mind as being really important? In my mind, really important is the people, is the population, because I remember... You know, after work, you would go into the city and you would always see the same five hats on a terrace or in a bar or in a restaurant. And then I think it started about 10 years ago where suddenly there was a lot more interesting people and good looking young people uh, in the city. And the whole scenery changed and it became more interesting. And now you can actually go somewhere and not know everybody. So, yeah, and you're meeting a lot of new people constantly. And I think that's amazing. I mean, from your perspective, that is really interesting. I mean, for me, I also remember a degree of familiarity bumping into people and I feel a little bit overwhelmed sometimes. So speaking as a real Luxembourger, uh, you sound very... uh, Do you feel as though um, the Luxembourgish nationals have been quite accommodating to the new people? Well, I think so and I hope so because, um, yeah, definitely... um, we were, my friends and me, we were very happy to meet new people. So it's a bit like traveling. You meet all the different nationalities. I think it enriches the whole country a lot. Now, 
coming forward over over time, so you were working at RTL and then you went into the restaurant business. That's quite a jump. Yeah, well, um, you know, for a lot of years, so after this um, cooking show where I invited people to my show, I did for, about, I don't know how many years, but many, many years, I went to restaurants and I filmed the chef's best recipe. So then you get to know every chef in Luxembourg, then you get to know all the different places, you get to know the bars and the people who run it, and then... Yeah, over the years, you see what's working, what's not working, what's important to do, what you absolutely shouldn't be doing. And then I had my perfect concept built on my experience from all these years of going to film in the restaurants. Uh, are there any particular highlights that stand out? I mean, cooking-wise, with yeah, people... Yeah, in your food experience. Well, I, I've been cooking with a lot of very well-known German TV chefs. Um, yeah, I had them even coming to my program. Um, I've met a lot of the three Michelin star French uh, chefs, so yeah. Ooh la la, posh. Yeah. Um, that was pretty <laughs> amazing and what an opportunity to eat a lot of really good food as well. Oh yeah, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, now let's talk the about the media sector in Luxembourg. Of course, there's been a real revolution in a way over the last 20 years. Uh, I mean, when you look at the media sector now, how would you describe it? Well, I think in Luxembourg we have a huge choice in media, except obviously um, <laughs> television. <laughs> so we only have RTL. A few others have tried a little bit that didn't really succeed. Um, yeah, that's a shame a bit because um, it's always difficult if just one player rules the whole thing. So do you think that RTL is doing a good job? Well, that really depends whether you're speaking about radio or television, because those are two completely different things. Okay, let's start with radio. I think radio does a good job. I think they really do a very good job. So this is both the main RTL channels, you've got Eldo, and you've got the German channel as well, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those three. And I think RTL radio, even though, yeah, it has its target thing, but it has a concept and it stays on a concept. And I think it's well done. Same as for Eldo Radio. Okay, they could have a big, a little bit bigger repertoire of music, but <laughs> that's about it. David Guetta only produces so many singles a year and they've got yep, to play them all. Absolutely. Um, but okay, what about RTL TV? Well, RTL TV, I think they um, could do a lot better. Um Okay, it's one hour, but there's news. And then the news always seemed to me, okay, in the morning there are some faxes coming in for some press conferences, and then the government tells you this, and then this big company tells you that. They just send a journalist there who then reproduces it word by word of what he heard at the press conference. That's for me not journalism. That's, yeah, it's a different kind of marketing or of publicity for the government or for Luxair or for whomever invites them to a press conference. But we are quite a small country. It's not like there is a really big news story each day. No, but you can go digging. You can find yourself a topic and then investigate for a few weeks maybe. You don't have to put all the journalists to press conferences or all of them to investigate stuff. But you can say, let's say, I don't know, um, this month is going to be you and next month is going to be you and in August it's going to be you and find yourself an interesting topic. Let's discuss it before and then we find you some stuff that you dig into. And but it's, surely it's about budget. There's only so many journalistic hours we have available. Okay, but journalists, uh, RTL works eight hours to produce um, between one minute and one and a half minute in the evening. So count that together, put it together in a month and you have a half an hour show. Right, so you're saying that potentially there's capacity to do more, yep. you think? I think so, I really think so. 
Um, I suppose when it comes down to media, of course, as a nation of 600,000 people or, and only half are actually native Luxembourgers, therefore the potential audience is not huge, is it? So no. it doesn't really justify, there's not the commercial reason to drive content forward. No, absolutely not. And probably they have to be nice and sweet. Uh, yeah, no, I know they have to be nice and sweet to everybody because everybody is a potential investor. So there's going to be a publicity somewhere behind. And the thing is, if you're at RTL, then you say, okay, I want to do something about, um, oh, whatever I had uh, today on the radio, there was something about, oh, yeah, the, um, the fake hamburgers. So for the vegans. Okay, then um, we need an interview partner for that. Where do we go? Let's call our marketing company and see who is a client who would have something like that let's get them in the interview yes i'm i'm sure for people who are tuned in right now of course i'm um, the editorial and commercial teams i'm sure legally <laughs> speaking are totally separate um but once again in this in a small nation you don't really want to upset people i mean even on a personal basis i don't really want to upset too many people in the media industry because i never know who my next boss is going to be Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And I remember I did two um, reportage where I did upset people. And yeah, it was... Um, Who did you upset? Oh, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, um, I still um, bump into that person sometimes. And, uh, and the other the one I might need in hospital one day, so... <laughs> Oh, so it was a doctor. I was going to say, in your world, you don't want to upset a restaurant owner because uh, you never know what's happening in the kitchen, if I can say that. Yeah, I haven't dared to go back to that restaurant since then. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> All of us have possibly got into trouble in one restaurant or two. I was a bit upset. I, in a restaurant, very slow service or something, mm -hmm. and they got upset with me because I was upset with them. Yeah, well, that happens then. Yeah. Uh, now, you, of course, have spent quite a lot of time on the other side serving people. Mm -hmm. um, do you find it tricky uh, when you have to manage difficult clients? Um, no, because um, I think if you do that job, you do it because it's a passion of yourself. It, you really want to do that and you really want to serve people and you really want to make them happy. And even if they are being difficult and complicated, you still try and make them happy. Okay, you might gossip afterwards a bit behind their back, but <laughs> not really. It's, it's, no, we're there for that, really. Uh, and I do think you're possibly one of the most accepting people I know. I do remember turning up to one of your bars dressed as Father Christmas once, <laughs> rather tipsy, <laughs> and you were quite happy with that, which was remarkable. No, but that's the thing. We are flexible. We like that job. And if you don't have it in your blood, then just don't do it because it's never going to be for the money. Now, one of the changes that we've seen over the last, say, five years is that we've seen quite a growth in French language media mm -hmm. in terms of, for example, radio. Yeah. Um, Do you see that as a good development? Uh, absolutely, because um, especially Luxembourgish-speaking media, even though there's a lot more people now that speak Luxembourgish than ever before, but also the population is growing. So not everybody speaks Luxembourgish yet, or not everybody sees the need of learning Luxembourgish. So absolutely, we would need even more English-speaking or other foreign languages-speaking media. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know in my own organization, we've put we've bet our money on the horse of the English and French languages mm -hmm. ultimately being the two. Uh, do you agree? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. gosh, well, my company will be <laughs> delighted to hear you uh, say that. As it happens, one of our magazines is coming up for 10 years old, mm -hmm. Delano magazine. Yep. 
You know the one? It's uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it. Uh, good. Ten points. Um, <laughs> so let's just reflect over the last uh, ten years of your life. Um, if you had to summarize your life, your last ten years in a sentence, uh, what would you say? Oh, I would say change, 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 <laughs> reinventing myself. Yeah, that's yeah, growing, growing. Now. It's been my privilege to bump into you in one or two locations outside of Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. uh, you've done quite a lot of travel, haven't you? Yes, travel is absolutely my number one. Yeah, I love it. I just love it. I need it. So how have you survived this lockdown? Um, well, I moved. <laughs> so I have not been traveling a lot, but I took on a huge project on um, yeah, quite a big house. And so I kept myself busy with that. So and then you've we, spread your wings that way? Yes, I did it that way, but I'm still waiting for Asia to open up and that I can go there again. Yeah, because you do have a passion for Asia, yes, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Like you, no? Uh, <laughs> yes, possibly, that's true. Um, so with your cooking and your food, I think that took you on some travels as well, didn't it? Absolutely. I Where mean, did it take you? Um, well, there was a show as well that I did for RTL that was sponsored by Cactus, and they all every Friday they showed... Um, where their food that they sell in cactus is coming from. And there were 56 um, shows per year. Half of them were filmed in Luxembourg, so Luxembourgish producers, and the other half was traveling. And that was really interesting because that even if we would just go to Italy, it would be in Italy somewhere where it's not a touristical place, it's where the food grows. So you would be with the locals there, you would go to places where you normally would never get to. And that was really a really amazing and fun part of um, my job there, yes. Now, many people, as we mentioned at the start of this interview, know you from Dipso Bar. Mm -hmm. How is it running a bar in Luxembourg? Has it made you like a, a multi-millionaire? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. I mean, the thing is to have a good bar in Luxembourg, I think, is to, um, first is your staff. You have to hold your staff up high and you have to create a nice working place for them so that they can then be nice to the client. You need to have good quality of food, good quality of wine. So those three things, the staff, the quality of wine and quality of food, they cost a lot in Luxembourg. <laughs> so no, we want to Donner du plaisir. We want to give that back to the client. So, no, you're not going to get rich in Luxembourg having a bar or a restaurant. Unless you have, I don't know, maybe if you have huge places with 300, uh, 300 chairs and you sell pizza, then maybe the margin is a little bit better. But <laughs> no, you don't get rich, especially not during COVID times when you didn't get a salary as an independent for 10 months. Yeah, that is a struggle. But the government did provide other supports for your staff, didn't they? Yeah, for my staff, yes, but not for me. Because you're an independent. I'm an independent, so I got once 3,000, what was it, 3,500. That was my salary for 10 months. Okay, that's not easy. How did you survive? Uh, well, I sold my place and I bought something new. So luckily there was a bit of leftover, yeah. Uh, now, as we come out of the pandemic... Um, are you optimistic that kind of bars and restaurants will return to the busyness that they used to be? Well, I've seen over the last few weeks that we have uh, been back to nearly normal as busy before. Yeah, the only thing is I think my neighbours, they got a bit of sleep, so they now um, complain about the noise because they're not used to that anymore, where before it wasn't a problem. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. That corner around the Rue de la Boucherie yep. is uh, got to get used to having lots of people seated outside. Yes, exactly. Because you, you move up 100 meters and you have more people and nobody complains there. But yeah, we have a bit more, I think, posh neighbors. Indeed. Well, you're part of the, that neighborhood has become increasingly <laughs> posh. Yep. Um, so uh, do you think that people will still be keen to come inside bars or is it really the terrace business? Is that what is generating sales at the moment? I think you have um, you have both um, type of people. It's the ones that um, it's all about fear. So who is who's scared and who's not scared? Um, and that really is, I think we have about 70 percent of people who are not scared and in the 30 they will probably stay away or they will maybe sometimes come on the terrace and not inside, but um, we have the fun people back. Now, what about new ideas for Luxembourg City? Do you ever look at the restaurant scene now and think to yourself, well, I'd like to try a new idea? Um, no, I think I want to try. I'm working on a different project now for myself to do something different. But yeah, it includes also food and health and all of that, but it's not going to be a restaurant. Now, if I remember correctly, you did open a beef bar, didn't you? There on the Place Guillaume, right in the corner. What what was happening with that bar? Well, we I think after a year, or I can't remember exactly how long it took, uh, we were bankrupt. Bankrupt? Yes. <laughs> now, is that because Luxembourgish people stopped eating beef? No, no, there were different issues. So first of all, it was a huge investment um, because we had this beefer, so this, uh, I don't know, so many degrees uh, to treat your beef the best. And then, um, yeah, the dry ager for the beef. So it was a lot of investment. The place was a bit hidden. Okay, we had some advertisements, but... Um, yeah, I think it was it was a personal thing. It I I never felt it. It was not like Dipsa was my baby, so I was more in Dipsa still. I didn't go there that much, and I didn't feel the place. So you let people run it, and then you're just like, yeah, come on, that's gonna work. It's fine. It's fine, and yeah, you don't really look after it the way you should be doing it, especially at the beginning. Um, because I imagine some of your places initially, the initial crowd are people that you know, aren't mm -hmm. they? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we had also, uh, at the beginning, we had this um, um, chef who worked for years and years and years in a two Michelin star uh, restaurant in Trier. And so the quality was perfect. But the other thing is then you let them handle everything. And so if then the chef goes to Provencal and thinks, oh, that's a nice product and that's a nice product and that's a nice product, doesn't care about how much these things cost and doesn't really calculate the price for it afterwards, what's on the plate, then, yeah, you do that for a few months and then you hit a wall. Uh, uh, was that a difficult time for you when that when you had to close? Yes, absolutely. It was a difficult time. Um, you knew it was your own fault, but still it was then hard. And uh, the first bankruptcy is definitely um, one that you will never forget. And it takes you personally and it takes you financially and you will suffer for another few years on the finances. But you also learn, you learn the details that really if you, if you go into that thing, first of all, believe your believe your guts, because I wasn't 100% convinced before we started. And um, the other thing is like, you really want to be there all the time and check all the details. Because all of the most important things are in the details. And is that the secret of your success at Dipso, do you think? Absolutely, because Dipso was also not working that well for a while now, before um, Corona. 
But I had started already for six months to check every little detail together with other friends who have restaurants. So we basically checked every bill and everything and every detail and um, came up with uh, beautiful recipes, better products um, and where everybody could live with it. So you have to really take care of it and you have to control it on a daily basis. You also tried kind of a nightclub for a while. Yeah, but uh, that was exhausting. <laughs> exhausting? Is, yes, were you up that, all night? Yeah, no, no, no. Then I thought, okay, no, I'm no longer, <laughs> I don't no longer have the age of staying up three times a week until four or five, no. <laughs> One of the interesting things about your new life is that you've entered into the political world as well, haven't you? Yes, I have for a few years now. So I'm on a town council and um, in different commissions, yes. How is that? Well, um, at the beginning, it was um, a bit scary because, um, yeah, I was not following politics that much. But um, I'm absolutely grateful for all the things that I learned about the city, how it works and all the insight um, that I got from that. Well, it's not maybe 100% my world, but I found it very interesting. And what I also like, I'm on the social commission, so that's really something that I always liked. It's where a lot of my time at RTL went to as well, doing um, social reportages and um, so, yeah. Uh, so this means that you, do you get to meet the mayor? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, we have our meetings together all the time. Oh. Uh, Liddy Polfer, nice woman? Yes, very nice woman. She's uh, a bit the mom of our, us as well, so she always looks after us and sees that everybody is okay. Uh, now, of course, previously the mayor of Luxembourg was also the springboard to a bigger job, thinking of Xavier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder what Liddy's job will be next. I think she wants to stay at the city. I don't really see her anywhere else. I don't know. Maybe she wants that. She has never said so, to me at least. But um, no, I think she's um, perfect at her job now. Um, final, final question. Mm -hmm. So if we dream about your future mm -hmm. for, uh, for a second, uh, I know that you are developing this project in Belgium mm -hmm. right now. Yes. Uh, do you see yourself sort of happily living in Belgium, still managing Luxembourg, uh, or do you imagine yourself living somewhere completely different? No, I imagine myself living in Vuitton, doing that new project, um, still having an eye on Dipso and also visiting because it is my baby. I always said it's my baby, so I'm not going to drop that ever. Um, but as I said before as well, I have absolutely amazing staff who are totally capable or even better capable of running it than me. <laughs> and then, um, yes, let's not forget to travel. That's my dream as well. Tanya Diaga, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for joining us at today's Club Insights podcast. If you like this, you can tune into future podcasts wherever you find them at Spotify, Apple Music or also at paperjam.lu. And if you'd like to join the Paper Jam and Delano Business Club, simply send an email to club at paperjam.lu.